In pop culture, witches are generally seen as one of two things. Young women who are learning to harness their powers or live an ordinary life. Or in the likes of Disney movies, for example, they are portrayed as angry, bitter old women. But in reality, its history is long and complex and marred with injustices and needless cruelty. In this documentary, we intend to explore the history of witches and witchcraft. Witchcraft is generally the practice of magical skills, spells and abilities, and is often associated with spirits and deities. National Geographic defines it as changing everyday events using supernatural or magical forces. It's usually linked with the power of nature, with those practicing witchcraft using herbs and plants for medicine. Early witches were known to use blessings to protect animals too and those who were accused of witchcraft are often blamed with the likes of destroying crops by controlling the weather. In the modern era, it broadly refers to the practices of modern paganism, and the presence of witchcraft persists in even the most advanced and less religious areas of the world. One of the earliest records of witches goes back to the Bible, in which Book 1 of Samuel, written between 931 BC and 721 BC, tells the story of when King Saul sought the witch of Endor to summon the dead prophet Samuel's spirit. He carried this out to help him defeat the Philistine army. However, when the witch roused Samuel, he then prophesied the death of King Saul and his sons. The next day, the two sons died and Saul took his own life. There are various other entries in the Old Testament which condemn witches and witchcraft. For example, in Exodus 2.2.1.8, it reads, Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live. Several Bible passages also warn against divination, chanting, or using witches to contact the dead. But the Bible isn't the only ancient text referring to witches. The well-known poem Odyssey by Homer, which was written in 800 BC, refers to a character named Kirky, who is described as a witch. She is famously known for turning humans into animals. Her niece, Medea, was also a witch. There is also the reference of witchcraft, which appears in Plutarch's treatise on superstition, which appeared in AD 100, and forbidden magic can be seen appearing in Roman law statutes. In 721 BC, the term witch was used to describe exiled women who were practicing magic and worshiping deities other than her god. Powers such as premonition were thought to have come from consorting with the devil. However, witches were not always seen as the enemy. In the earliest centuries of human civilization, witches were actually the women who served goddesses, and as a result, they were revered throughout their communities. Throughout the Middle Ages, white witches, who were known as such to separate them from those who practiced the evil black magic, which intended to harm others, were often herbalists and midwives. In the Middle East, ancient civilizations not only worshipped powerful deities, but women were often the ones practicing the most sacred of rituals. Trained in these divine arts, these selected priestesses went on to become known as wise women, and may have been the earliest illustrations of what we recognize today as the witch. These women would help deliver babies and treat infertility problems as well as impotence. 
They were sought out by kings, armies, and mothers to help them with a multitude of problems that were not just limited to childbirth. Both their advice and their rituals were requested too. Overall, these women were seen as pillars of society and had a positive impact on the world around them. It's often debated what exactly caused the norms of society to shift, putting witchcraft users into the crosshairs of the public. Modern day scholars have suggested that it took place when Indo-Europeans expanded westward, bringing with them a warrior culture that bred aggression and violence and steadfast beliefs in male gods of war. Others believe that it was the result of the male-centered Hebrew view of creation, with the Bible noting the dangers of witchcraft. It has also been argued that climate change was to blame for the sudden panic. Beginning in the early 14th century, temperatures began to drop in Europe. This was called the Little Ice Age. As a result, crop failure became a regular thing and living standards began to fall. There became an increasingly intense competition between neighbors for various resources and famine, inflation, and disease became widespread. One of the most notable claims, however, is that Europe, in particular, was swept up in poverty, war, social change, and reformation at the time. This social and political unrest appears to have fueled the madness of many countries. Germany and Switzerland, who hold the first and second highest numbers of witchcraft trials leading to death, for example, were suffering greatly. Germany had a number of political authorities throughout the 16th century, while Switzerland had no strong central authority. Many people believe this cultural disorganization is what led to their vulnerability to the hysteria that overwhelmed Europe. The fear of witches which gripped Europe started sometime around the mid-1400s, and within a century, it became commonplace for witch hunts to occur. This mass hysteria was largely spurred on by the publication of a book named Malleus Maleficarum, which sounds more like a Harry Potter spell than anything else, but is in fact a guide created about how to hunt, interrogate, and execute witches. The book, also known as its English translation, The Hammer of Witches, was published in 1486 by two clergymen, Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer. While several other witch hunting guides had been published prior to this, The Hammer of Witches was the first to allocate gender to the guilty. The book argued that, as the weaker sex, women were more likely to be seduced by the devil. Women were seen to be less dedicated to their Christian faith too, Prior to the launch of the book, it had been illegal to persecute witches, but the Hammer of Witches changed that and was helped along by the Catholic Church, who pushed their narrative forward, encouraging its devout followers to utilize the book. The image of witches became one to fear. The Hammer of Witches became so popular that it sold more copies than any other book in Europe, except the Bible. One excerpt of the book states, magicians who are commonly called witches are thus termed on account of the magnitude of their evil deeds. These are they who by the permission of God disturb the elements, who drive to destruction of minds of men, such as have lost their trust in God, and by the terrible power of their evil spells, without any actual draught or poison, kill human beings. The entrance of the Protestant Church, which served as the Catholic Church's only real competition, 
was also thought to have added to the cause of the persecution of so-called witches. The hammer of witches was utilized by the competing churches, who attempted to flush out as many alleged witches as they possibly could, and thus become the savior of the townspeople. Several decades before this, between 1316 and 1334, Pope John VIII identified sorcery with heresy and pacts with the devil. Despite this, the church were not nearly as vitriotic about witchcraft then as they were in the 1400s, when the book was first published. One of the earliest tales of someone being prosecuted for witchcraft was that of Marjorie Jordemain, also known as the Witch of I Next Westminster, who resided in the UK. She was tried in 1441, several decades before The Hammer of Witches was published, and was accused of using sorcery to bring about Henry VI's death. Two men named Thomas Southwell and Roger Bolingbroke were also tried alongside Mary, who was later burned at the stake for treason. This was because witchcraft at the time was not illegal. Marjorie's supposed accomplices were hung, drawn and quartered. Although not yet illegal, witchcraft was deemed as heresy and was denounced by Pope Innocent VIII in 1484. It wasn't until 1542 that the Witchcraft Act was enacted, which made witchcraft punishable by death. This was repealed five years later and replaced by the 1563 Witchcraft Act. However, this law only condemned witchcraft which caused harm or death to another person, and it prescribed hanging, not burning, as a suitable death sentence. Lesser offences were punishable by jail time. However, when James I came into power as king in 1601, he brought with him a burned hatred of witches and witchcraft. He had previously published his own book on the subject, named Demonology. Three years later in 1604, things intensified when the laws were changed, meaning that harming others via witchcraft was no longer the only way that someone would face the death penalty. Now, conjuring spirits was considered a capital offence. In 1604, law also passed the trials of witchcraft from churches to ordinary courts. Those accused of being witches were often single or widowed women, or those who acted outside of societal norms. Older women were also vulnerable to accusations due to the roles that they played within the family. They often cared for younger children and cooked. Thus, they were the number one suspect if anyone in the family died. Essentially, any woman who was seen as undesirable was persecuted during the witch hunts. The trials made for an easy way for any male heir to get rid of a woman who stood in the way of his inheritance. Witches were portrayed even then as old haggard women who murdered children, rode wooden implements coated with flight-enabling lotion, and travelled at night to secret meetings. These supposed devil-worshipping women were thought to be participants or hosts of large nocturnal assemblies where they dance naked, feast on the flesh of babies, and have intercourse. This event would culminate in the arrival of the devil, who would have an orgy with the attendees. The emollient the women spread on their brooms was thought to be made from baby fat. This idea emerged from the Hammer of Witches book, though these other descriptors about alleged witches are thought to have come from travelling friars of the 1420s, who had been sent to multiple villages in Europe to combat heresy. The friars took in the popular fears they'd heard and relayed them back to the church, who documented these stories. It's also noted, however, that a German painter named Albrecht Gürer created an image of an old woman with long hair and a broom in the 1500s, which is thought to be where the old hag stereotype of witches came from. 
Evidence for any proof of witchcraft tended to be flimsy, but was enough to convince a panicked jury and judge. If accused witches had a pet cat, the animal was labeled as the so-called witch's familiar, which was an animal used to communicate with the devil. Cats were often seen as a good indicator of one's guilt, and other evidence used to condemn whoever was on trial was largely anecdotal. Confessions were also used to supplement the evidence, but these were often false, and accused witches were tortured by various means before finally relenting. Other supposed evidence included searching for the devil's mark. These marks were often moles, flea bites, or warts. If none were visible, the victim would be pricked with a special knife or needle. These items had been blessed and were supposed to reveal the devil's mark via some sort of allergic reaction. Victims were also subjected to being cut with a blunt knife. It was thought that if they didn't bleed, they were a witch. This was mostly used only on women. The forms of torture utilized by witch hunters were cruel and savage. Thumb screws were frequently used. The device was a small vice used to crush toes, thumbs, and fingers, and heated leg irons were too. Head clamps and legs, or shin screws, also known as boots, were used to force confessions from victims. Victims were often deprived of sleep and were subjected to the swimming test, where one's legs and arms would be bound before they were thrown into the water. If the victim floated, they were a witch. If they sank, they were not. But now they were dead. The swimming test emerged on the belief that the water would reject witches for announcing their faith and therefore their baptism too. Torturers were advised not to make eye contact with the witch they were abusing, as her powers might cause them to become compassionate towards her. East Anglia, in the east of England, was an area well known for its links with the witch hunts, comprising of three counties, Norfolk, Suffolk, and Cambridgeshire. It spent 14 months in the clutches of witchcraft fever. East Anglia was largely filled with anti-Catholic Puritans, who were easily swayed by bigoted preachers. For this reason, its participation in witch hunts does not come as a surprise. One of the most notable figures during the British witch hunts was a man hailing from East Anglia, a failed lawyer named Matthew Hopkins. Matthew was the son of a Protestant preacher and born in Suffolk between 1619 and 1622. He later became known as the Witchfinder General. Matthew was assisted by a man named John Stern and later wrote a book titled The Discovery of Witches. He is known for having put 68 people to death in Berry Street, St. Edmunds alone, and had 19 people hanged in Chelmsford in a single day. Many of Hopkins's conclusions were based on the Devil's Mark, which we discussed earlier. He used a needle to see if these marks were insensitive to pain. The needle was a three-inch long spike and would retract into the handle so no one could feel it. If the victim felt no pain, which of course they never did, this was taken as a sign of guilt. Hopkins made huge sums of money from his endeavors, rewards from grateful towns to thank him for clearing out the witches. In 1645, Hopkins and Stern visited the home of 80-year-old Elizabeth Clark and accused her of witchcraft. The men deprived her of sleep for three days and nights, while four women and two men kept watch, looking for signs of the devil around or within her. Eventually, Elizabeth confessed to having carnal relations with the devil and then implicated other women in her crimes. 
This was not unusual and was often how these trials worked. Like a domino effect, accused persons would start giving out the names of other alleged witchcraft participants. This was perhaps because torture methods demanded that they hand over the names of others, but could also be the result of desperate victims attempting to gain leniency in exchange for naming other perpetrators. During Hopkins's three-year reign, more people were executed for witchcraft in England than in the 100 years prior. Between the 1400s and 1700s, around 500 people were hanged or burned for witchcraft. Hopkins and Stern sentenced over 300 of those people to be executed, meaning they were responsible for 60% of those deaths. By the end of his career, Hopkins's credibility was beginning to dwindle. Several high-profile cases had left him unwelcome anywhere by the end of 1646, and many of the townspeople up and down the country felt resentment towards him. He died on August 12th, 1647, and was estimated to be in his mid-twenties and likely passed away from tuberculosis. Following his death, enlightened judges persuaded jurors to really look at the so-called evidence that was utilized in witch trials. We hope you've enjoyed this documentary so far. If you want to watch the remaining 20 minutes of it, please check out our Patreon page in the description box below or the comment section.